0: David Dixon and it's Thursday November 18th hope everyone is doing well busy podcast today we have college football at the beginning playoff rankings and previewing a big week ahead some great matchups this Saturday and then talking succession with my friend Jared Bascom the most action-packed episode of the season so far with the proxy fight and and the shareholder meeting for Waystar Royco but first we're going to talk college football so the college football playoff rankings once again came out Tuesday night not much has changed at the top the top six remain the same so it's Georgia 1 Alabama 2 Oregon 3 Ohio State 4 Cincinnati 5 and Michigan 6 now once again we see the weird inconsistentness of oregon beating ohio state and being ranked ahead of them and then michigan state beating michigan and being ranked behind them something bizarre and even more bizarre was the college football playoff committee chair coming out afterwards to try to explain it once again as it remains weird that you know if you put the games aside and you look at the metrics they think michigan is better than michigan state that's fine and I'm sure there's a lot of people who would agree with you and that premise. But once again, they're supposed to be determining most of this stuff by the games, or at least the games are supposed to matter more than, let's say, the stats, which can be inflated in college football when you play like a bye game and you uh, can just beat up on a team that isn't very good, like Alabama crushing New Mexico State last week. like having no business being on the same field that can inflate your your season-long stats by putting up 59 points not saying that Alabama stats are inflated but things can happen like that in in a sport where um there are major differences of talent level uh between conferences between teams and uh that was a, just a bizarre thing to say. may may have been a slip up, but once again it's that the games the games need to the games need to matter. Or at least they need to feel like they matter. And if you're a Michigan State fan and you hear that the guy who's determining if your unbelievable season is in line for a potential playoff appearance that yeah, I know you guys beat them, but the metrics say that uh the team you beat is actually better than you doesn't make any sense um, and we're gonna go into that a little bit later because Michigan State plays Ohio State this week and Ohio State has the best offense metrics wise in college football also probably by the eye test well if Michigan State somehow beats Ohio State uh, and will the committee just say well Ohio State's metrics are still better than Michigan State so Ohio State five Michigan State six like that's that is the type of precedent that they are setting by saying that, these stats can matter more than the results of the game especially with head to head matchups you know yes stats can matter if you're trying to compare two teams that that haven't played in terms of their dominance and their s- success over the course of a season but if it's like if you're comparing a team that had already played and we have a result and we know who is better in terms of it wasn't a, a missing quarterback crazy weather um, rescheduled game you know there was nothing weird about that. Michigan State beat Michigan and Michigan is ranked ahead of Michigan State again makes no sense. Um, Oklahoma lost to Baylor last week. they played pretty poorly so don't need to worry about a big 12 team making the playoff as we will not have an undefeated uh, group of uh, we won't have an undefeated power five uh, conference champion outside of potentially, the sec with georgia so oklahoma has now fallen to 13 they are out of it expect the rumors of lincoln riley to lsu lincoln riley to usc lincoln riley to insert nfl team x to really start up because they will not be in in the playoff this year and because we won't be talking about how good oklahoma is and them in the playoff we're gonna be talking about lincoln riley and the coaching positions because that's what we're going to that's what we're gonna need to, to fill time with, and especially now because like wait they're not in the playoff. Maybe Lincoln Riley will leave, even though, they have a f- two five star quarterbacks and trying to figure it out. And uh, they only went they're only nine and one this year instead of their 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 typical ten and zero, losing to a top fifteen team like, the standard he said has set at Oklahoma is just unbelievable. And the idea that a nine and one start to a season is somehow grounds for potentially leaving is just a ridiculous level of success looking into the rankings again we have in the top 10 Notre Dame number eight they're threatening I don't think that they will make the playoff but they are threatening there at nine and one Wake Forest being nine and one that ACC team if they just keep winning they have a big game this week against Clemson If they keep going and keep winning football games, if something crazy happens at the top, you never know. You can only beat the team in front of you, but if you're putting yourself in a position, and they have the potential to with this Clemson game to get a big marquee program win, even though Clemson is not a top-20 team this year, that is still a big name that I think matters a lot to the committee. And if they are able to win that game and if something crazy happens above them, Wake, wake will just be there and who knows what can happen but you give yourself a position for success because you never know what will happen in in the weeks ahead Cincinnati 10 and0 another group of five team has joined the playoff rankings Cincinnati is at five San Diego State is at 19 they moved up three slots as they are at now at nine and one UTsa moves up to 22. And they're ten and zero, and then Houston comes in at twenty four at nine and one. So that's a good sign for Cincinnati. the The more group of five teams that that are in there is better for them. Uh, you know, I I think that they are right now the fifth best team in the country. I think they are accurately ranked, and we will see what happens uh, because the Big Ten has a lot of big games coming up, and so does the the Pac-12, so not too much to talk about with the rankings because not much changed except for the same weird logic that uh, that the committee is using. So we will see if if head-to-head matchups matter as much as they were supposed to when this playoff was designed and constructed because we have four absolutely massive football games this weekend, starting off with Ohio State playing Michigan State this game is in Columbus the Buckeyes are home this is number seven versus number four this is don't want to say the biggest game of the season for both of them because their Ohio State you know their biggest game could have been Oregon but for them it's probably always is the rivalry against Michigan Michigan State the rivalry against Michigan as well but this is a game where The winner puts themselves in such a huge position to make the playoff. Yes, obviously. Thanks, Captain Obvious. But this is that game where it will determine a lot. It will determine a lot and could potentially start the ball rolling for some chaos at the top. And we haven't really seen true chaos in the college football playoff era the way that we have in some other years with the other systems. But... As good as Michigan State is at number seven, Vegas loves Ohio State. They think Ohio State is not just going to win this game. They think that they're going to win this game uh, pretty handedly. Uh, now, you can only take so much from the Las Vegas odds, obviously, but Ohio State is currently favored by 19.5 points. Yes, they are home, but Michigan State's running back is really, really, really good. Kenneth Walker, the third, he's run for 1,400 yards already, 17 touchdowns. Um, That's an area where Ohio State struggled against Oregon in their only loss of the season. Uh, You know, they're, on average, giving up about 100 rushing yards a game. They probably haven't faced a back quite like Walker yet. He is a tremendous player. He scored five touchdowns against Michigan, carried them throughout throughout that game. He is, you know, obviously the man to stop. All eyes will be on him. And the interesting part is he's the all eyes were on him in the Michigan game, and he— delivered big time, and Michigan's defense this year is very good. Now on the flip side, C.J. Stroud and this Ohio State Buckeye offense turned the page, and they figured it out big time. They are scoring over 46 points a game, 500-plus yards a game, the best offense in the nation. We will see how how they do because we know they'll be able to to score points, and they may— They may need to score points because Michigan State doesn't have as potent of an offense as the Buckeyes. Obviously, not number one in the country, but they can score and they can run and Walker can get big plays. This is a massive game. If Ohio State wins this game, they're setting up the showdown of the season with with Michigan next week. Um, Just a massive game for both teams. If Michigan State wins... And, and their coach just got a major contract extension, feigning you know fending off the LSU interest, USC interest. Ohio State wins; they're probably in the playoff. Michigan State wins; they probably still have to win the Big Ten championship to get in. But man, if Ohio State wins this game, this is the game to watch. This is this is the number one game to watch. You know, there's only so much to talk about because it's just offense, defense, running back, passing game. So much we determined on the field, and I'm just I'm just really really excited for it. Next game is Wake Forest at Clemson. Mentioned this one because even though Clemson is not a top twenty team this year, they've struggled. They still have a good record. They still have won seven games so far. Wake Forest nine and one, top ten in the country, favorites for the ACC. If they are able to go in and go into Death Valley and win the game. It's a statement for the state of their program. It's a statement for the state of this Clemson program. It's going to be an ugly game. Clemson plays great defense It will likely be low scoring. Um, Wake has it, but if Wake wins this, they'll probably move up to number nine, potentially number eight uh, in the rankings. And again, this is this is the game where Wake has to win because you have to let all the dominoes unfold ahead of them because if Ohio is because of Michigan State loses to Ohio State, Michigan State will probably drop out of the top 10. Wake can move up. If Cincinnati falls to SMU, which is a game we're going to be talking about, they'll probably fall out of the top 10. Wake can move up. If Utah beats Oregon, Oregon may fall to the back of the top 10. Wake Forest can move up. This is a massive, massive, massive game for Wake Forest. And probably the biggest game they've played in a really, really long time, too. Uh, Cincinnati is playing SMU. SMU, while not ranked, they are eight and two, four and two in conference. Cincinnati is favored by eleven and a half points. This is a this is the committee will really be watching this one. SMU, even though they're not ranked, is a good football team. Cincinnati needs needs this one. They are they are, have the burden of needing to be undefeated. It's it's a major burden. That not many other teams can can say that they have to deal with week in week out, that pressure to win. You know, everyone has pressure to win, but really, it's at a different level where teams like Alabama, there's a margin for error. Where if you lose, you can still be ranked in the top four. Cincinnati, if they lose, they may fall down to 15. You know, or even further. It would be something crazy. But this is a huge game for them. Desmond Ritter. Getting better and better to dual threat. They are scoring points, but the defense, they're, they're, they're not pulling away from teams. They're not dominating teams the way they did super early in the season when they beat Miami, Ohio, Murray State, Temple, UCF. They've played, they played they some close games, but I think we'll help them down the, down the road and we'll probably help them in this game. But, again, margin of victory also matters a lot for Cincinnati just given their their playoff position. Now, the most interesting game later on is Oregon's playing Utah away. This game is at Utah and Utah is favored. Utah ranked uh, in the back in the back half of the top twenty-five at, at twenty-three. Oregon's going into Utah, but Utah is favored by three points. A really interesting uh, matchup here. Uh, Utah is a good team. They've dealt with a lot of tragedy this 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 season. This is a major game. It's going to be prime time on on ABC. This is the game Oregon has to win. This is the game that everyone is expecting Utah to win because of the reputation of the Pac twelve the last five or six years of uh, they are they don't have that top dominant team to who can make it to, to the playoff unscathed. And that there's that that, that somehow there's too much parity in the Pac twelve to have a truly, truly dominant team. That makes it a really entertaining conference to watch as a fan, because you never know who's gonna win. But in terms of picking the top four teams, we need to have these undefeated conference games. That's how the that's how the playoff committee has has de- has determined it. And so Oregon potentially dropping another game in conference now because Utah's on the other side of of the Pac twelve, they're in the Pac twelve south, Oregon's in the Pac-Twelve North, uh, Oregon will most likely still make the Pac-12 championship game, but at 9-2, and two, they will lose all chances for the playoff. That win against Ohio State will fade away, fade, fade from memory. will probably look worse for Ohio State, but just an absolutely massive game for Coach Mario Cristobal and this entire Oregon team. I think Oregon will win this game. I think they are a really good team. They can run the ball. They have a good defense, but... Whenever you see an underdog or, or not a lower-ranked team as the favorite, um, it makes you wonder what's up. What do what do these what do the the experts who determine these these lines? They don't always get it right, but they, they know a lot, and they clearly see something that uh, the rest of that should give the rest of us pause. So I'm really excited. It's a really great week of college football. A lot of really, really good matchups. It's going to be a great day to order some, order some, some, some good food and, and and watch the games. So, all coming up next is Succession season three, episode five recap with my friend Jair Baskin. All right, joining me now, once again, weekly succession recap, my friend Jr. Bascom. An exciting episode last week. We got to see the shareholder meeting. A lot happened that, that we will dive into, but, but first to start, who do you think had the tougher week, Kendall, Cousin Greg, or Jake Gyllenhaal? You know, overall, it's always Kendall. I mean, yep. having your dad block your phone number
1: is a special kind of... Screw you.
0: Yep, and
1: he did it without remorse right after he told him that he wanted to meet. I mean, talk about it a, a one two punch. I mean, poor I don't feel bad for Kendall because he's kind of awful, but I, I do feel a little bad for Kendall.
0: Um Yeah, that so was think- that was the moment where we're gonna get into it. Logan is having some health issues during this episode. That's when we were like, All right, Logan is back.
1: Yeah, Logan's back. Logan's back. His his patented line: two words,
0: seven letters. We're not going to say it on the podcast. You know, F off for any you. Know.
1: For the for the people who want to piece that puzzle together, um, but definitely Kendall. I personally think Shiv is a close second. I mean, talk about a tough one for her as well. Um, but yeah, those two they're they're vying for needing a a week of therapy and a week of r&r after that
0: seriously so a quick recap because because so much happened so it, we're at the annual waystar royco shareholder meeting sandy and stewie are there sandy the man sandy is very sick so his daughter also sandy spelled differently but also sandy is is negotiating and communicating somehow with her father very bizarre but they're negotiating with the roys to kind of get this this backroom deal to avoid a vote as we get the name of the episode uh the janitors in in idaho as that was a roman's fear that just if you give it up to a vote to just normal shareholders that they'll take the they'll, they'll take the company away from the roys as, as they're negotiating logan starts acting very strange. He's going to the bathroom constantly. We find out that he has a UTI and he wasn't taking his medicine, so that made him uh, senile and start hallucinating, including thinking there is a dead cat underneath one of his chairs, which was just a great moment of... He's usually the most serious character, but it shows that he has just as much comedy chops as everyone else. Uh, Greg is meeting with... Greg has now officially joined Team Waystar after Kendall has told him that uh, because of that, that he is probably going to burn him, which (laughs) Greg did not take that kindly as burning is bad. Um, And his uncle, Ewan, did not like that either, and so he has now cut him off, and Ewan is now donating all of his money to Greenpeace. We come back, we see that as Logan is very much struggling, no one knows what to do because they all— Everyone in the family, everyone in the company just looks to him and just does whatever he says. But with Logan fully out of the picture, we see for the first time who's making the decisions. And Shiv comes through, makes this backroom deal with Sandy, the woman Sandy, and creates a deal. They avoid the vote. The Roy's stay in charge of Waystar. But Logan is not happy. Logan is not happy with the deal. In all the midst of this, the president somehow resigns or tells them that they're not running again. And uh, at the very end, as you mentioned, Kendall and Logan will have no more contact, it seems like, for for some time as, as Logan sets up a fake meeting and then blocks his, blocks his phone number. So a lot happened. I think I hit everything. If I missed anything, I apologize. But those were like the big uh, bullet points. No, I, I, I think you
1: I think you nailed it all, Dave. That was that was succinct. That was that was beautiful. I mean, I do want to revisit the dead cat because yes. talk about picking up somebody from the SNL writer's room and having them have a strong first episode showing. I mean that was that was that was really great. When the bodyguard ran out
0: with the cat, yes. Kendall walks <laughs> in. sees how chaotic it is. I
1: mean, talk about a missed opportunity for him to come back into the fold, but it was just, it was a perfectly executed scene of true and
0: utter chaos. So, the biggest takeaway for for me in this episode is we really saw for the first time the Logan Roy school of deal-making and that he's not in the room that often. He really is. He likes to make his presence known and felt. And that not showing up until that that final stage. Mm-hmm. What did you think of those initial negotiations with Sandy, Sandy Stewie, and the Waystar, the Waystar Clan? I
1: mean, you you really start to see just how dysfunctional they are without Logan I mean you have Jerry you have Carl I mean you you have some experienced kind of lifelong corporate folk and then you have Roman and you have Shiv who Shiv is just I mean she's just taking a tumble down a hill right now and there's really it's it's fascinating to watch because they clearly have no idea what their dad's game plan is so it's just kind of all performative i mean they're there to have a conversation and then they have to go back to logan and logan comes out of left field with something else intentional or not intentional we we really don't know because he was out of his mind this episode um but I, but I do think I mean it was it was very performative and I do think Logan had a had a clear end game, although he was not functional by the end of the episode when the deal was made. Um, yeah and then, and then in true Roy child form, one of the kids comes in completely self-interested and makes a deal behind their dad's back and shift.
0: Yeah. And Logan was, you were right, was not happy about that when he regained his consciousness. But we have to remember, one of the big things in Logan's character is strength, being a killer, you know, that, that performative, you know, no one's gonna get one over me type attitude. And so to him, the whole idea that say it, that the Sandys and Stewie wanted to make a deal, he thought was a sign of weakness on their part and that even though no matter how much intel he got and i love the 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 special proxy vote uh analysts i'm, I'm picturing you know that, that they that, that they should have just gotten steve kornacki with the board and some khakis you yeah know. they really they,
1: they they had a missed opportunity there somebody's or, getting fired because it should have been steve
0: dave or it should have been steve or, or john king analyzing you know this this pension group you know they <laughs> the last the last nine proxy votes they've gone this way but they've been trending more and more you know i think that would have been great but no matter what intel he got just the whole idea even though the roys were just as much broaching a settlement or the roys not him the other roys um, broaching a settlement he seemingly was always against the settlement he was pressuring his friend the president you know this obviously is supposed to be, you know, someone like President Trump, someone who is friendly with uh, another New York uh, media tycoon, right? Um, And it was just amazing to see, even though Logan knew, it seemed like the only way out of this was a deal, that Logan, just in his way, because it's a sign of weakness to him, to ever settle but he thought that it was a sign of weakness that they were settling so i thought for a large part that we were going to literally get a vote that we were going to get a vote which would have been even more dramatic than the episode ended up being yeah no i i
1: completely agree i thought we were headed towards a vote i personally wanted a vote just because steve kornacki would have come in halfway through and started doing the tally for us and we would have been taken back to a I don't know if it's a, a lighter time or a darker time, but a different time with, with Steve. But,
0: and then, yeah, but it's, there was a lot going on. Now, the other thing is, what did you think of Shiv's negotiating tactics? It seems like a lot of hallway, you know, a lot of this negotiating was done in, 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 in these public hallways, which was very weird.
1: Yeah, it's, it, I, I think two big things with Shiv's negotiating tactics. First of all, it's the antithesis of her father's and what her father did. As you just said, Logan pretty much says screw the numbers. I mean, he goes off of his gut. He trusts you know, the fact that if they're calling, if they're looking for a deal, that's weakness. That's information that we're, we're, we have the upper hand. And he would never call first. He would never show up. He would never pursue a deal. And then you have Shiv, who gets behind the controls when Logan is, again, looking for a dead cat, literally. Yep. And she calls first. I mean, it's, it is it is the complete opposite of how Logan does it and how Logan believes it's done. So, you know, I, I think he was displeased with that. And I I, I kind of think Shiv fumbled it a little bit. But then again, the second point is she really made that deal for herself.
0: Yes, because she got the board seat.
1: She got well, she thought she got the board seat.
0: Yeah. True. Very true. Yeah, and I so I think it's I yeah. think it's
1: typical Roy kid fashion to be completely self-interested. And I really think it shows that this really stable character, I mean, great job always saying the right things through the first couple seasons. I mean, I think Shiv is scared because she doesn't have a place. She's shooting herself in the foot left and right. And I think she does that to try to secure her position, and it just completely backfires. I mean, I, I really think she fumbled when she was in, in the control seat when Logan was finding the dead cat, which
0: I just can't say enough how how much I appreciated that. And it wasn't, you know, we didn't have to infer anything about Logan's displeasure in, in the deal he made it very clear he was not happy he yelled, at, he yelled at Shiv he told Shiv basically in no uncertain terms of that I would have done something better this is a bad deal um, you, you screwed this up in a way you screwed the family and you screwed me and all these kids all they want is their dad to just say I love you and to mean <laughs> it and he doesn't because I don't know how he feels about them. And this was a really interesting uh, episode for Tom and Shiv's relationship because uh, Shiv, as you said, took on a lot of responsibility in this one. And this was really one of the first times and and only times we've seen throughout this show of Logan getting really, really upset with her. We saw last season when, when Logan reveals that he wasn't gonna pick Shiv. That was obviously, you know, a dagger to Shiv. But this was it in a different, really public way. Like when he uh, hit Roman uh, last season. Like when he hit Kendall's kid in in season one. Logan lashed out at Shiv for the first time, and we got to see a really interesting moment between Tom and Shiv, and where their relationship is is currently, and, and where it may be heading in the future. That. Maybe these two actually do care about each other. Um, Just they have a lot of other issues to to work out. But at its core, they do care about each other.
1: Yeah, they need need a trip to Bali for one week, maybe one month, where they're meeting with a marriage therapist every other day. I mean, they're just – they are two very fascinating people who are both – getting thrown for a loop this episode or this season excuse me
0: and you know tom had a tough episode he was basically on on bathroom duty with (laughs) with logan um having just one of my favorite quotes uh that we're going to get to a little bit later but props to tom because tom was no one wants to say anything about logan not being himself right no one wants to be the one who gets the doctor for Logan because, to, as we said, to Logan, that's a weakness. If San, if the Sandys and Stewie found out about that, they'll take the deal off the table and that they'll lose, right? Mm-hmm. Anything that's weak. But Tom, you know, was he called the wrong name a couple times? Yeah. But, and, you know, was he called son? Yeah. But give Tom the credit because Tom in that moment said – Hey, Logan's not right. He needs the doctor. And then they were able to, to figure out with calling his – basically his personal aide what was going on with him and why he was acting so strange. Because if not – if Tom didn't do that, we don't know what would have happened because would – do you think any of, any of the kids would have called a doctor? I don't think Absolutely so. Absolutely not.
1: Absolutely not.
0: I mean, I mean we saw last week. Logan's potentially having a heart attack turned out it was just exhaustion and I guess a broken foot, but Kendall wanted to keep negotiating. His dad could be dying <laughs> on the rock next to him. He's like, let's lock up the deal, man. Dad,
1: Dad, hold up your heart attack. We, we got business yeah. to
0: attend to. We need you to sign the paper as, as the witness.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... T- Tom, very similar to Greg, has a truly encompassing character
0: arc because he was kind of a bumbling idiot to start. Yep. And
1: he still might be going to jail, granted.
0: Terminal Tom.
1: Terminal Tom. But he really in the last couple episodes, I mean, he seems to be running things and doing all the right things. I mean, he seems like he is doing a great job at ATN. I mean, you know, they're putting out very large swashes of misinformation but he seems to be doing a good job there he pushes back on Shiv he offers himself up to Logan he you know does a great job on bathroom duty he just he seems a lot more consistent than all the Roy kids
0: yeah you know and if he wasn't terminal tom maybe maybe he'd be the guy at the at the end who ends up on top uh quickly Connor is now working for the company. He is uh, in charge of Europe. I think Cable Europe, which is just a total shot at Europe when when they say you know the not important part of <laughs> of the company. Just a total shot at a whole continent. Uh, we've now reached the most our our favorite part of of our recap, which is cousin Greg Corner. Greg, we, we need to
1: dedicate half podcast to cousin Greg every week. I want to formally make that a petition.
0: So, so cousin Greg he had a he had a tough week. So, he he meets with Kendall. You know, Greg is now officially team Team Waystar. Kendall's Kendall basically tells him, you know, as a pal, I I may have to burn you. And <laughs> And Greg knows that, that that that's not good. You know, he appreciates the warning because they are pals, but um, Greg Greg does not like the sound of that. Now, interestingly enough, Greg has the documents, or Greg was the one who had the documents. Do you think Kendall, by losing Greg, has his or any leverage over his dad now because um, Greg, if he's the one with, with the documents?
1: You know, I— I think Kendall's leverage over his dad... I mean, I think it goes to the... They're not going to go nuclear on each other. I mean, Kendall killed the guy.
0: Well, Kendall, well the car killed the guy. And the lake no. killed the guy. Kendall just let him die.
1: Fair, fair. You you bring up a very nuanced point, and I hope you're applying to law school. Um, so I, I don't think... We haven't heard about the documents, so it kind of leads me to think that that was a, you know, a last season thing. Yep. Um, and and it doesn't seem like the vying for power between Logan and between Kendall is anything more than controlling the company. Like it doesn't seem like they're bringing up dirt on each other. Um, I could be very wrong, but but it seems like it's more. Who can get the most shareholders and board seats to vote on the CEO and the chairman role?
0: Yeah. So we'll see because there's in in the preview for next week. Kendall is is it looks like a a deposition where we'll see what he reveals there. Next, so then Greg goes back to his uncle, you and 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 the lawyer, concerned (laughs) about being burned. He asks his uncle if he can you know meet again with his lawyer and something was like no you you, you chose your side you, you need to start taking your life seriously um i'm you're 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 out you're out of the inheritance you're all my money's going to greenpeace and greg asks, which part and in and, and his part and uh Ewan says that greg's part was the first part going to greenpeace not that that's <laughs> how it works in terms of just um inheritance money it's not like it's uh you know, comes in every two week payments. I'm pretty sure it works. It's just like a lump sum. Uh mm-hmm. but that was a tough look for Greg, who seemingly in each season is gets threatened by his uncle to be cut out of his inheritance, which let's remind all the listeners is two hundred and fifty million dollars. This isn't like a ring and ten and, and ten grand. This is Greg would never have to, Greg could become Connor. Essentially. And we saw last season when Greg was choosing sides in Congress. Logan has one of my favorite lines, which is that he, Ewan will he says will we'll never do it because he's a coward, and he had, and Greg has choose for himself either Grandpa Grumps or Uncle Fun, and Greg and Greg has chosen Uncle Fun, and nothing's more important to Logan than loyalty. So maybe he's in line for a billion from from Logan. Who knows? But. Who knows? But Greg then goes for his own legal counsel, and this is the part I, I want to talk to you about, which is Greg is now going to sue Greenpeace. Or he's thinking about suing Greenpeace to get his inheritance back, um, which he has to do um, after his after his grandfather dies. So how would you go about suing Greenpeace? Or would you sue Greenpeace just generally? You know – I think you can do a lot of things in life.
1: I don't think suing Greenpeace should be one of them.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's there, there's a line, Dave. There's a line, and it seems like, you know, while you toe the line sometimes in life, that you might be a step or two over when you're suing Greenpeace. And I think Tom puts it perfectly when he says, "You're suing Greenpeace.
0: What's next?" feed my starving children. I forget what he said. Save the children. (laughs) Save the children. And then he says, I like your style, Greg. just, I mean,
1: absolutely embodies their relationship of just two people who have no idea what's going on. Um, So my answer is I don't think I'd sue Greenpeace, Dave. But $250 million is a lot of money. So I
0: probably would have gone to my uncle Ewan's farm and done whatever he needed until he died and got my money and walked away. Probably, probably true. And so (laughs) my, so my, so those were Greg's big moments. My other favorite Greg moments, which perfectly, you know, epitomize his character in a way is they're all in this boardroom. They're all used to being in these really fancy boardroom situations. Talk about the other kids, the the other executives. Jerry, Greg, uh, sorry, Gre- Jerry, Frank. Um, so they're not really eating, you know, drinking everything. Every time Greg's in the background, he has one of those delicious-looking pastries in his mouth. You know, a nice, you know, cup cup of. I'm sure, you know, mineral water, very expensive. yeah And Greg is now the one being tasked with, as they try to figure out what Logan's health situation is, Frank is just talking um, (laughs) at the shareholder meeting. And I love how they don't give any indication for how long it's going. So he could have been up there for two hours, three hours.
1: Uh He was just going. He was
0: going. And it was Greg's responsibility to keep running these notes to him about what the updates were. And they would always write out this note and turn and tell Greg, right as he was mid-bite, or ha- hands were completely full with, with, with something, and his facial reactions of just pure shock that he's being asked to do something and then freaking out about it because it clearly is his really weird situation that he, you know, that that awkward, oh my God, all my hands are full, now I have to put it all <laughs> down and then sprint to go tell Frank that uh, Logan's, uh thinks there's a dead cat underneath his chair. Um <laughs> Was just my personal because that's that's Greg at his core. As much as we love seeing Greg really involved with the family, those moments are Greg at his best when when he's put in those really uncomfortable, awkward situations. Oh yeah, I mean rule of thumb,
1: Dave. You never eat the food. Yeah. Even when it, even when it looks tasty, you never eat the food because you're gonna end up like Greg. I mean that that lesson was something i was taught early on and this just seared it in my memory so and, and greg just i mean it was perfect i remember the one scene where he literally is taking a bite and running through the halls and yeah the people i was watching with didn't find that as funny but i was on the floor laughing
0: yeah it's uh, he's he's just the best so so looking ahead obviously the episode ends the the roys keep the family but the president Basically tells Roman, because Logan is in the bathroom, tells Roman that he's not running again. And then it's unclear where in the election cycle we are in, whether it's the election is in a couple months or a year, but it seems like looking ahead, the Roy's are going to be choosing or having a major hand in choosing the next president. Um, this is a group of people who... Um, I wouldn't task to to parallel park a car, um, especially the, the children, and they're going to choose the next president of the United States, the leader of, of the free world. Um, I can't wait to see how this plays out.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'd trust them to elect a middle school student body president. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Let alone get in a car, let alone parallel park a car. I mean, I hope they have a Tesla so it does it for themselves. Yep.
1: Because they'd hit a fire hydrant, they'd kill a cat, they'd probably break somebody's leg, and then they would drive off with fire and flames and destruction in the background. So I don't even want them in a car, Dave.
0: Side note, since you brought up Tesla, Elon Musk is a tweeter. Kendall Kendall wants his Twitter... You know, to be to, to be tough. Like, do you think in this imaginary world, world, Kendall and Elon are are tweeting at at each other at all? I would like to think yes,
1: one hundred percent. But here's the way it's done: Elon sends out a tweet. Kendall is one of those weird guys with glasses <laughs> the selfie. And puts it as his Twitter icon and responds to him and never gets any interaction back. I mean, he's just, he's so desperate for affection. I mean, I, I want him to get on hinge, Dave. I want him to find a nice young lady. I want him to find somebody who appreciates his corporate babble. And I just, I just want him to get out because he is so bad at the game. I mean, he is truly. Magnificently horrible. I mean, he's he's like the Timberwolves. He's just he can't get it right. He cannot get it right. You need a clear house, and you need to you need to have Kendall get unhinged. That's my takeaway.
0: I actually would I actually would like to see or imagine you know when when Elon tweets out like should I sell my bit my uh, my Tesla stock? Kendall's like, yeah, you should. You know, uh, you know tax tax the rich we don't pay enough and then elon responding like uh you're also a billionaire why don't you also sell stock and then kendall just never responding
1: yeah yeah no he would he would panic under pressure he would fumble it he would fumble
0: it all right so to wrap up here quotes quotes of the week you know you already mentioned one greg greg telling tom that he's going to sell greenpeace tom responding i like your style what's next save the children um the the reveal that uh Logan thinks that there's a uh dead cat underneath his chair. And while it wasn't a quote, you mentioned it the, the security guard carrying um <laughs> in a bag the imaginary uh dead <laughs> dead cat uh out. Uh my personal favorite and what totally sums up this show and this episode in particular was I just do what my dad tells me. Uh-huh. And we've seen that theme throughout the entire series, and especially when Kendall guts Volter in season two, he just he tells, uh, what's his name, the guy from from Volter, that <laughs> he he did it because his dad told him to. Because his dad told him to. And so uh, Sandy with an eye says <laughs> that she just does what. Uh, her dad tells her to do just like just like you guys, and you could see that that stung that stung the Roy's in a way that I don't think they've ever been stung by another person before.
1: Shots, shots were fired. Shots were fired. A- another one of my favorites, maybe my favorite of the week, although the Green Piece is up there, is when we see Greg in the boardroom on the phone, and he says, "Do you think it's possible to sue a person?" <laughs> a grandparent for example in a way which is uh uh uh, uh like an affectionate way i mean you got to love his heart i mean terrible chess player bumbling idiot at times but you got to love his heart i mean he doesn't he doesn't give up he doesn't give up and he wants to sue his grandparent in an affectionate way
0: it's just it's just incredible and then and then lastly one of the funniest ones. Logan's having issues in the bathroom and and Tom goes goes in to help him and, and goes, "Do you want me to hold the scepter?" <laughs> <laughs> which is just which is just an all-timer. It's just an all-time Tomer. Uh, yeah, that that needs to be put into a meme. So, all right, JR. Next week one one big prediction for for next week. Oof.
1: Let's see. I, I make it a habit, I just want to admit this on the show, that I don't watch the
0: preview for next week. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I it, It's
1: very similar to how I view movie trailers. I don't like watching a trailer because I want to go in completely open-minded and knowing nothing. Um, so, just want to preface that. Did not watch the trailer. I turn it off right when the name comes up at the end of the show. For next week, I think Shiv is getting shivved. I think
0: whoa, I think Shiv out.
1: Shiv's out. Shiv Shiv is out big time. I think I, I, I think we're careening towards some other type of battle, whether it's a proxy battle, whether it's an inner fighting of the family, of the company, by the end of the season, I don't know if that's next episode, but I think this was too simple. This was too straightforward. They gave up a board seat, one more than they wanted to, and
0: I mean, and the private jets, which Roman was personally offended by.
1: Roman was very personally <laughs> offended by. It. He's going to be calling a lot of Uber blacks. Um, so so I think I think Shiv is completely out. I think what it's opening the floodgates up for is. Kids versus pops. I think yeah. Shiv's out. Connor is just, you know, he's he's neutral. He's an O for a guy.
0: Oh, he, sorry. He sorry. Other, n- not a quote, but when uh, Roman reveals that uh, the president isn't running and Connor does that giant fist bump, that was up there. <laughs> that, that killed me. Because he, he still has sights on the Oval Office. And,
1: and when, when everybody's trying to figure out, who should talk to the president? was like, I'll give him a piece of my mind. I mean he had some expletives in there that we can't say on the show because, again, family friendly. But yeah, that I I wanted Connor to talk to the president and just crash and burn. Um, but but synthesizing my prediction, I think what we're seeing is the Roy children minus Connor, because he's gonna be president are going to move back over with Kendall, not out of anything but necessity, because it was too straightforward. It was too straightforward. The deal that they made was too straightforward. How it all ended is too straightforward, and their dad is just, he blocked Kendall's number. He told Shiv to seven letters, two words. I, I think that's what we see. I think we start seeing a formation around Kendall.
0: Interesting. You know, I do watch the, the preview, and so Kendall's going into this deposition. It seems like with the FBI or some 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 federal uh, prosecutor, I think that's I, I think he's going to reveal that he doesn't have anything, and that <laughs> um, and that uh, he's going to have to find another way or someone else on his side. Um, and I think he's gonna lose lose his lawyers, and we're gonna see some just brilliant Jeremy Strong acting again uh, as as Kendall Royce as he seeks back to back Best Actor uh, awards at at the Emmys. Jr. Jr. always always a pleasure. Enjoy the episode next week. Uh, remember to always check your your chair if there's any uh, cats underneath it
1: that's that's the first and
0: last thing i do when i when i get to the office (laughs) all right talk to you next week later dave that'll do it for this episode of the double double if you like this podcast you can find us on itunes spotify or where we get your podcast where you can subscribe rate and review five stars be much much appreciated also follow us on twitter at dbl underscore dbl podcast we'll be back next week take care and make it a great day